Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the I'll Try That Podcast. We've got a very special episode with you um, for you today. We're here with Paul, who is the um, owner and managing director of Cloudwater Bruco. Paul, welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, we, we are absolutely ecstatic to have you on. Um, as you said, you're a very, as, you, as we know, you're a very big name in the, in the industry and it's amazing to get, you know, someone from Cloudwater to talk uh, and, and discuss because, you know, you guys have gone from strength to strength um, and really just want to just ask, you know, how, how did it all kind of happen? What is, you know, what's the kind of the special source at Cloudwater? Ooh, um, I think I'm going to have to put that down to a couple of different things. So first of all, I'm just a beer drinker like you guys. I'm not. I'm no different. I am a. I drink too much, and that's not very good. But uh, but I, I I'm I'm a real big beer geek. I love hitting up beer events. I love being at festivals. I love trying new beer experiences. I love exploring the classics. So I think one of the the really fundamental qualities here is I'm I'm kind of quite well representative of a lot of my colleagues. Uh, we're all pretty much beer geeks, to tell the truth, and that keeps our feet on the ground. So we're not lo- we're not searching for things that are particularly different to what our customers are searching for, and so we're not brewing um, kind of for somebody else. What this sort of distant character in mind? Uh, we often the way that I've described what we do here uh, over the years is really we try and work in that overlap between what we really love and what we're really good at and what people want us to do. So I think the you know the fact that we're driven by a lot of the same persuasions and driven towards a lot of the same experiences, I think that kind of keeps our, our feet on the ground and it keeps us really critical of what we're doing. Um, and you know, I think that is, the way that we've applied that over the years is you know we've never really accepted that we've reached the peak of anything. Um, and that continues to be a philosophy that's really important to us here. So even though we're the most accoladed craft beer brewery that is, that actually owns their production facility and actually makes their own beer in Europe, um, we're not happy to rest on that as being kind of like our pinnacle, really. Um, so I, I think that kind of honesty about there's always something more for us to do. There's always more experiences that, that you guys and we want to check out and just sort of staying in that space. Um, and then I think if I was to attribute another, another quality, really, it's, it's, it's probably patience. Um, you know, it's really hard to be, at, at, you know, even though it might seem a bit ridiculous for me to say this, it's actually quite hard to be at the cutting edge. If we sat back a little bit and stopped doing all of the work that we were doing and kind of waited um, for other folk to push forward and innovate and and, and then we followed in their footsteps, um, I think that we would probably have a much easier life. <laughs> but um, but I think that we you know we we like to aim really really high and then try and bring ourselves back into this space of like okay let's just persevere let's be patient let's let's wait and try and find those way forward uh, those ways forward ourselves and that just seems to be that just seems to be a, a formula that we can keep on relying on and repeating it's it's more those two principles that that seem to keep coming back around in our work and keep us pushing forward and keep our feet on the ground and and also keep us aiming for uh for the sky every single time you know we had this uh fascinating journey in our first few years where we set out to 
been a little bit disruptive actually um so we set out to try and tempt people to go to the pub um right after work we thought you know what we should try and make uh beer that's of a high enough quality and uh, and is really really highly desired that people want to see a social media post at say like 3 p.m and be immediately texting their pals saying gotta go to the pub we're gonna have to try this after work and and honestly as soon as we felt like we'd hit that sort of quality and impact standard uh we then raised it a little bit and we imagined a scenario where because uh, literally we, i'd had this experience so many times over the years where i was i was at home um and i'd say to my wife you know absolutely fucking shattered i'm going to just stay in take it easy and she's like yeah that sounds great you know you should look after yourself and and not drink tonight and i'd be like yeah it sounds great and you know half an hour later someone would text me and say hey have you seen this post there's like this new beer hitting the taps in manchester i'm gonna go and check it out and and i'd be like oh my god I, I, you know all the all my pals are going to be there all of these people that are as enthusiastic as me and before you know it i'm like getting dressed again to go back into town so we kind of aimed for that same level of like pull and impact that we wanted to we wanted to um try and make beer that was so good and so exciting that you'd leave your house even when you kind of didn't want to now that's that, there might be some people listening to this being like oh my god these guys sound like they're trying to like mess people up it's, it definitely wasn't along those lines no. we're not we're not really <laughs> trying to get people to drink too much but it was just about it was about the fact that like we were really excited by all these new beer experiences right and we just were like we want to be producing those really exciting beer experiences i I really like the way you describe it as though people going out for an experience and i remember when it was younger we were drinking a lot of beers that weren't that fantastic and that great and now in my old age i generally get excited trying something new trying something different trying some weird collaboration that maybe i'm not too sure what's going on but genuinely being excited to go to the pub and try something new which i, I think is a really nice way to look at it or just having beers that you know make people want to change out their tracksuit bottoms and put real clothes yeah. on again you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i mean so talking about that you, you know you were mentioning about you know really wanting to keep pushing and, and keep going i mean the the the, the vast like kind of array of different styles of beers that you guys have got underneath your your belt and this is just the ones that i've you know i've come across at your bermondsey tap room through to you know looking on your website but you've really pushed the boat out when it comes to different styles of beers right i, I really love that that's visible to you as so many people f- just uh, look at us and see our double ipa work and our other hoppy beer work and don't get me wrong we are incredibly proud of everything that we've done with hops but and on my heart as a as a brewery that owns its own production facility and runs its own production facility um you won't find another brewery in europe that's made as many styles as we have as competently as we have and i I think that's a real real point of pride here at cloudwater amongst our brewing team you know we've got a phenomenal uh, group of brewers who've come with all rich experiences to bear and bear fruit here and uh, yeah we do our homework um we try to earnestly produce styles in the image of some kind of leading example of those styles first before we dare experiment and try new things so we really try to it's it's kind of like getting into the groove really nailing the classics first and then possibly going from that um authentic classical base into new territory but really just starting by yeah did did we get close to that 
image of of this classic beer if we feel like we did then we kind of give ourselves a bit of a pass to go from there but yeah the the variety of styles again it, it's just completely expressive of the fact that we are a team a very very open team we're very very passionate we talk about what we're brewing anybody in the whole company can put their hand up and say hey i really think it's about time we do this particular style of beer our tap room manager um down in london um alice she just put her hand up today and said we could do with a white beer um you know let, let's try and make that happen and we've done we've done that over the years a little bit but like you know really appreciate people putting their hands up and saying hey let's get busy with something that's really seasonal so yeah it, like it's really all those styles behind that it's just a group of people that really love uh those styles in 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 in, in uh, some way shape or form obviously you know most hands in this brewery will go up if i say who thinks we should brew another lager um or kind <laughs> of like you know variation on a lager beer um whereas the, there have been things that we've done just out of kind of curiosity and interest and just to keep things fresh uh so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun but very very challenging and i think one of the ways in which it might not be particularly visible um to folk like one of the impacts of being a very very broad brewery um it's really something that's really just a modern beer phenomenon if we were producing just the beer styles that were like in exceptionally high demand um that we're very very good at producing like our uh, uh sort of beer rating scores would be through the roof um but but we we produce everything from you know smoked lagers uh, which are a bit niche all the way through to those um, whole ingredient pastry style stouts albeit without the lactose and so sometimes we get like a pastry stout drinker that really loves our MCI and they trust the brand which they should do and they'll try a style that's completely unfamiliar to them and maybe like that's not really for them so we kind of roll with a lot of um, uh, not punches but we roll with a lot of like ups and downs that some of our drinkers that support us go on and honestly i'd much rather be in that position um of putting new experiences in front of people and that not always working out than um you know just kind of sticking to a narrow set of styles and um and uh, having a slightly sort of easier life as a, as a result sure and then, you know and as you said they're the kind of the beers that people know you for and there already are beers that people know you for, as you said, you're all your hoppy collection, um, you know, but the fact that there is something for everyone, um, and especially if you have that kind of, I guess, kind of mindset of wanting to try different types of beers, or you know enough about beers that you know that there's a, you know, there's more than lager out there. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so you're, you know, so, so you're going to find, you know, go down the, the cloud water rabbit hole. Uh, and going to be, and, and again, it goes back to that element you were talking about seasonality that people are putting their hand up to say, you should try, put, you should brew this, you should brew that. It sounds like there's a lot of rotation in the beers that you're making as well. So people have to keep coming back and checking for more. Um, if they want to, if they want to keep on top of, of all the different kind of beer styles that you're making. Um, which I think is, if you've got people actively following and, 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 and doing as they, you know, in the beer community that they do, you know, they're going to be interested no matter what, aren't they? Yeah, well, you know, that was the big idea that we had back in 2014 when we were thinking about what the brewery was going to bring to the industry. And I think it's really, really important that every brewery out there has a specific game plan that isn't just watch somebody else and do what they're doing quickly after <laughs> um, I think it's really really you know we had a solid game plan for what we were going to bring that was new uh, what we were going to bring that was different um, and back in 2014 it, just about everybody was 
brewing a really solid core range uh, and then the occasional special would come out and there were a few people that were a bit more loose uh, so maybe working within three or four different styles and kind of variation within three or four different styles but we just thought you know what there's so much room here there's so much appetite for new experiences amongst us as a team that we're just going to stick to essentially 100% one-offs and, and that's what we did uh, for the first four years or so um, you know really we didn't we, we rarely repeated a beer um, in those first four years occasionally by popular demand we did um, and occasionally we bought something back maybe like once a year um, and then 2019 we started to play um, uh, with a sort of signature series which was rotating within a particular style and, and now you know fast forward to this present moment we've got uh, core range and that's a really really important part of what we do now similarly to you know it comes from the same place where i guess over the pandemic especially uh, a lot of us just got really tired of new stuff because a lot of the new stuff was like horrible new adaptations that we had to make <laughs> yeah. in our lives just rushed out there because they could you know? yeah <laughs> and you know like uh, i think um you know we we, we started to crave during the pandemic as human beings we started to crave routine and simplicity and something reliable in our lives because our lives were massively disrupted by all those uh, changes and laws and all the lockdowns that we had up here so out of that ca came a genuine desire to start looking at well consistency is important to people now you know consistency of experience reliability of experience and so it just felt very very much like the right time for us to jump in and say you know what we're going to fix ourselves on a small core range and make that available and focus on it and refine it and um and i'm really thrilled that that's a, a, a part of our production now as well as all the one-offs i always want to ask because you're you're coming up to your decade your first decade, let's say, um, you know, the 10 year, uh, which happened in 2024. What, what do you want, you know, where do you see the next 10 years after, after your, uh, you know, going? Is, is there's like, you know, what's the, what's the next stage of cloud water? I mean, first we have to survive long enough to get to our 10 year anniversary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it, fair. It, it'll, it'll, it'll actually be in, in 2025. Sorry, when I was speaking about oh, okay. um, 2014, I was talking about, we were in planning for about a year basically before we actually broke ground. Mm. So, Valentine's Day 2025 will mark 10 years of cloud water. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, it's not, um, I, we can't be completely certain that we'll get there uh, with, the, with all the changes that are afoot to um, the costs of production. The industry's become a little bit weird um, and hyper competitive in ways in, in which the industry's never had to accommodate before. So there's some pretty savage price competition happening within craft um i'm obviously not going to name any names but there's some there's some big moves out there by breweries that you might not necessarily think uh would be getting super super competitive on price and and so essentially you know gosh we're obviously working our asses off and and we'll do everything that we can to get to that 10th anniversary as strong as we can um but right now i guess what i'm describing is it business feels very kind of month by month at the minute um and i'd love to be working uh, a little bit more sort of long term uh, but it feels like there's a lot of plays in the industry there's a lot of folks that are trying to scale quickly and sometimes that gets a bit um difficult for the rest of the industry and we're still we're still like feeling the effects of that brexit crunch 
uh, I estimate that UK craft beer, about 20% of UK craft beer used to go abroad. And that's not based on a total study of every single brewery in the country. That's based on the, you know, 100 or so breweries here that we know quite intimately. Um, I reckon about 20% of UK craft beer had to find a home in uh, the UK uh, post-Brexit. And that's obviously massive competition spike there, uh, which is kind of rolled onto other um it's rolled onto other ways in which the industry's become a bit more sort of strained and tense so uh what what you know what all that means in the sort of spirit of us looking forward is yeah we are trying to adapt to as much as we can uh to those uh circumstances and put our business forward in a really really strong way it's always been a massive principle of mine uh that we don't compromise on price within craft because what that does is it makes it makes life really difficult for breweries like mine. Um, I know Cloudwater's got this massive reputation. We've never produced more beer than the Colonel any year that we've been in production. So that gives you the size of our real production output. Um, and but yeah, if 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 sort of like pricing uh, tension affects us, you can bet your bottom dollar it makes life super difficult for the smaller, younger breweries. And I think it's really important that. You know, we we uh, operate with a degree of sort of maturity and fairness, and don't essentially sort of you know go down that route as an industry where we start pricing people out. Um, so, short-term strategy to get to ten years over this next year and a half, we are. I don't think that we've kind of got this impression that we're going back into twenty nineteen territory, having having pretty much felt a quite a resounding end of the pandemic and its and its immediate effect on business we're not working with the assumption that we're just stepping back into 2019 territory in fact we're we're really looking at um at the fact that there's lots of our sort of history and legacy that wasn't fully alive during the pandemic so all the ways in which we like to run events and be part of events all of the different experimental uh, hop focused uh, beers that we weren't able to produce for all sorts of different reasons during uh, the pandemic so really it, to, be, between now and our 10th anniversary you'll see us kind of reconnecting with a lot of the reasons why we exist and bringing that all back to life and you'll see us reconnecting with some of our sort of legacy projects and legacy moves and again bringing that back to life and then going forwards from 10 you know, at some point we've got to move the entire brewery because the warehouse that we're in, that's bloody awful. It leaks every time it rains. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's super hot in the winter, super cold in the summer. Sorry, super hot in the summer, super cold in the winter. It's really it's really not a nice uh, um, place to work in some respects. We've got to we've got to move. So part of uh, part of our work is figuring out well what. What shape is cloud water? What do we need to do? Do we need to make a bit more beer and get a bit more uh, to people? Is there is there sensible stuff that we need to do to grow that core output? Do we just stay focused on, uh, you know, another tap room or two? You know, like there's lots of big uh, strategy questions that I guess will shape what that next 10 years looks like. But, um, you know, looking around me in the team right now, there's as much enthusiasm as there ever was in this business for keeping busy and uh, trying to push the boundaries and trying to stay as much as we can at the sort of forefront of European craft beer. 
So what are you guys kind of looking forward to in the future beer-wise, I suppose? What have you got coming up in the next few months that we can get excited for? Well, uh, we've got um, we've got a really fun release that's coming out in a couple of weeks. I don't. I think you guys might have a can of um, Forever Troubles. Soon to be arriving, I think, but we, are, we hope to um, talk about them as well, for sure. So yeah. it's a new, new beer that's coming out. Yeah, so one, one of the like highlights in our production calendar is um, every spring... Uh, our customers strongly request that we bring back uh, Chubbles and Chubbles uh, for anybody that hasn't had it um, it's a it's a really really highly hopped super juicy um, galaxy uh, filled triple IPA we made it in collaboration with the Vale um, and that both the Vale and Cloudwater produce it every single year and we tend to produce somewhere around two or three or four of the recipes um, that we've done over the year with the Vale. And and the reason why that beer has turned into such a big deal is it was the first hoppy triple IPA that was genuinely modern, juicy, and drinkable. Almost every triple IPA that existed before that that we'd had, and you know there might be someone out there somewhere that's going to write into you guys and say, whoa, what about <laughs> this? Okay, this out of all the stuff that we've had, and again, we, we like to do our research quite yeah. thoroughly, so we like to spend a lot of time in the pub and in the bottle shops buying beers and sampling them. But um, yeah, Troubles, when it launched, was the most um, easy-to-drink, modern, juicy, hoppy tipper that wasn't like a hopped barley wine. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the triples back then were really really malty and really quite bitter a lot of hot side hopping in the whirlpool uh, whereas Chubbles just leaned hard into that modern territory and delivered and I think that's why it's made such a big impact on people and that's why people wanted to keep coming back so we've made a, a double IPA version of that um, because we're over in Richmond Virginia um, on uh, well we're over there next Saturday I think that's the 20th I've got my dates right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you're right yeah the 23rd is the monday so yes absolutely yeah i think something like that yeah so yeah we're over we're over a week saturday 20th or 22nd i Incredible. forget exactly when, when it is but um mm. uh yes yeah, so we thought we'd make a slightly more drinkable version um for festival goers and that's something that we're super excited uh to put out and you know there's that one you know there's always lots of work that we're doing um in our barrel project uh, we've got a wonderful chap brian uh who's come to us via uh, south korea and previous to that um via hong kong um so he's got really interesting um he's got a really interesting palette and really interesting ideas for where we take our barrel project beers so there's just always releases that we're getting ready to make in the background there um you know, and apart from that, uh, we're always working on something kind of seasonal. So we've got a lovely citrus Berliner Weiss that's about to come out. It's quite, quite sort of wine-like. Um, so don't, you know, don't expect a big like glass of orange juice or lemon juice in front of you. It's not like, you know, it's not puckeringly sour, but it's 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 rewarding. It's layered. It's complex, and it will go down an absolute tree. And we're going to follow that with some kind of Rattler um so you know there's going to be a few low abv absolute crushes from us uh over the summer and we as a production team we're just pretty excited by that stuff oh, absolute fan of a rattler 
Was, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've re- recently got back into them and they are just absolutely fantastic. The best summer summer drink out there, right? You know, no, absolutely. So Light and refreshing. And if I do say, a cloud water rattler is going to be something to behold. I'm going to be, you know, waiting with bated breath when that starts getting uh, announced i'll be getting some of that in yeah well what you'll be able to you'll definitely be able to rely on the, on it being extremely quaffable i think oh. obviously you know beers with fruit in them have gone um they've, they've explored the sort of depths of intensity and that's not really work that we want to get into or have gotten into if you get something with fruit in it from us it's not gonna a smoothie i think we made a smoothie type beer once again without lactose we don't use that stuff but um years ago we tried something for a festival i think it was indie man um but yeah i think when you know you can expect when fruits in our beer you can expect it to be a bit more wine like so it's going to drink easier it's not going to have yeah. that thick pulpy um sort of full of puree expression um, which which is obviously really really exciting in the right context and definitely not criticizing that at all but i, I think with the rattler what you're going to probably get from us is uh yeah something that is just incredibly satisfying yet really moorish um and the, the whole point of the low abv beverage is it should be so satisfying that you can just have that one and cut yourself off and just get on with whatever yeah. you've got to be doing or you know you can sit back and have a few and it's not going to mess you up which is exactly the the sort of beautiful feature of low abv beers well that's it and but then also not compromising on flavor and taste by the sound of it as well you know you yeah get exactly. everything that you want all at the same time you can literally have your cake and eat it that's what <laughs> i think about good ABV, low abv beers <laughs> paul I, I mean that's really excited for you know to, to speak with you having you know as I said, been to the Bermsey Tap Room and explored, the, like stepping into the world of cloud water, quite literally an immersive experience. I feel that Bermsey Tap Room, it's de- decor wise, is amazing. Uh, and anyone in the Bermsey area, definitely, or, or making a trip to London, be sure to go and check out Cloud Water on the, on the Bermsey Mart because it is incredible. Um, and so I was really excited when we were able to get, to get the conversation with you, Paul, because this has been, as I expected, super insightful. Um, I'm excited about, you know, Cloud Water's past, but more excited about the future. I think, you, you know, as times are, as, as we know, kind of difficult, but it's, you know, you've got a brand here and you've got the product behind it, which everyone looks out for. So, you know, I, I've got no doubts in my mind that you'll reach your 10 year, you know, you'll go past way, way past that one because, you know, everyone loves to see Cloudwater doing really well. Thanks. I really appreciate hearing that. You know, it's, um, it's, it can be, uh, uh, it can be really quite sort of stressful to, um, try and create all of all of the new experiences that we that we want to create and you know we're, we're never a hundred percent sure um how things are going to land you know i hope that that's expressive of the sort of humility that we operate by you know we're not expecting just to knock out the next beer and it go down super easy we you know we want people to be delighted and we're working hard for that but you know we're always apprehensive have we are we going to hit the nail on the head um so it's really it's really cool to hear um, your enthusiasm for for what we've been uh, up to and, and and indeed where we where we'll go from here um yeah i think you know it, the industry can be a pretty uh difficult place at times uh, you know i said before the call with you guys have definitely felt subjected to um some pretty uh intense scrutiny and personal uh um 
I don't know, kind of like attacks really over the years. Uh, you know, we've, we've, I've, I've been sort of built up, I think, on a number of occasions only just to be knocked down again. Um, so, you know, I, I won't I won't sit here and say that like my eight years, eight and a half years in the industry have been just an absolute walk in the park. They haven't. I think I've probably experienced lower lows in this industry than in any other point in my life, which is kind of savage. But for all of the things that have been really difficult, um, there's just so many highs that are that are just absolutely amazing. You know, the one thing that was true before I got into the industry was you could walk into a tap room or a pub um, and know that you were very, very likely to meet some bloody nice people. And, you know, I haven't met you guys before to have this kind of conversation. So, but here we are talking freely and got, you know, riffing on a lot that we've got in common and it's experiences like that that keep uh, my energy up and give me a lot of drive and hope for the future. So, Paul, you were saying you, you know, why you love traveling. You've got this upcoming tra- um, travel to the states, um, and you were saying how why you love the, the you know, travel around the states and, and, and the beer there. Yeah, there's like a couple of really fascinating things about being able to go over to the states. So, first of all, it's a bit of a looking glass into the the potential future of UK beer. I mean, you know, America's been brewing um craft beer for a bloody long time it depends how far you want to go back you know we can go as far back as um anchor um or certainly uh, with more recent brands we can go back to a bunch of brew pubs like prohibition pig we can also obviously go back to the starting days of uh, sierra nevada uh, making a name for pale ales so there's lots there's lots that we can kind of pay attention to that's happening in the states that gives us a bit of a sense of premonition of what might play out here or what could play out if we don't intervene and steer in another direction so that's one thing that's super exciting about being over there is getting into deep uh, observational territory uh, and then because we're a british brand in the states we've got a phenomenal reputation we've made um, a great great deal of beer uh, with a lot of people out there, uh, I've made a lot of great friends in the industry. I get to talk on on pretty open book and deep terms with a lot of folk in the industry out there that we know, and and it's very very different to the sort of conversations that I find myself having here in the UK that are sometimes a little bit more closed book, sometimes a little bit more guarded, because essentially, whilst we might be very friendly on personal terms, you know, just described ways in which the industry feels a little bit more spiky and competitive um, at the minute with all of the uh, impact that, that breweries have, have faced over these past couple of years. So it's an opportunity for me to be in front of people that are doing the same sort of job that I'm doing here, to kind of really get the same problems coming to them. And so it's kind of brainstorming territory around what do we do to solve this? Where do we go from here? How do we deal with this problem down the road? Um, And that's a big, big, big part of why I personally like to be out there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's also just uh, dreamy to, uh, to step into lots of different types of scenes each state in this, in America feels like it's got its own sort of beer character, uh, which is fascinating. But it's not any different to here. I mean, each county in in uh, in England feels very much like that, and each territory within the United Kingdom feels like it's got its own character. So it's not really different to being here, but but kind of different in a way. 
Well, I was going to bring up about two things about that. So you mentioned um, we, we kind of I, I lived in in Brooklyn for um, for five years, and I was one of those guys that would be queuing around the block when other half were going to be dropping another um, you know limited batch, you know, just waiting and just like really absolutely love those, love those guys and the, and the, what they did for Brooklyn. Actually, um, you know, there's some amazing beer coming out of that space, but uh, you know, especially with the in the New York area. But I think other half just kind of really kind of embodied that kind of um, the kind of the brewing scene over there for me. Um, and maybe it's because it was so li- nicely linked with an amazing time that I had out there. But talking about, um, you know, the UK and its different kind of brewing scenes and, and like locations having its own different styles. What is it about Manchester with, you know, your, yourself, uh, you know, obviously you've got Seven Brothers, uh, Bundaburst there as well. You know, many, many you know other breweries deciding to put tap rooms in Manchester. That's such a kind of a hotspot for, for, for craft beer. Yeah, so this is, um, I mean, we've got phenomenal breweries in Manchester. Uh, we're just across the road from Track. Uh, good friends of ours, uh, Sam, who owns that company. Uh, I employ his wife, who's a phenomenal brewer. Uh, really, really uh, f- uh, uh, amazing person on the team very very supportive so we're like you know we're super close to a lot of breweries like track runaway uh there's obviously squawk a lot of different interests uh in the scene here the reason why um there's two reasons why manchester's home to a lot of good quality beer and good quality tap rooms first reason is manchester's got probably the longest history in the uk of innovation in hoppy beer now, I know that there's probably going to be listeners from the southeast that be like, whoa, really? Like, it isn't London? No, it definitely isn't London. It's definitely Manchester. You can go back to the 80s and uh, a brewery uh, called West Coast Brewing Company that was uh, doing their take on Sierra Nevada Pale Ale um, with new wave import American hops. You can go from there uh, across lots of different uh, breweries in what I call the kind of microbrewery era. Uh, so these are very locally focused breweries, um, and one of the, you know, one of the highest achieving microbreweries in the in the region, of course, is is a brewery that lots of people know, uh, Marble. Um, my co-founding partner James Campbell uh, came to us from Marble, um, and James's work at Marble was absolutely exceptional, super super forward hoppy beers. So the city's basically been uh, championing very very hoppy beers. Uh, at this stage for about 45 years um, or so. Um, I might have my numbers slightly wrong, so there might be some uh, um, more experienced listeners that be like, it's not 45, it's 41. Okay, <laughs> 40 years-ish. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's one of the reasons is we've got a very, very, very deep and long-standing heritage of progressive hoppy beer. And of course, hops are the most unique um flavor ingredient in uh, that, that make beer a unique beverage you don't get hop flavor out of anything else that you can drink whereas you can kind of get some of the yeast flavors in other beverages um and then the other thing is we're the fastest growing city in the uk uh and a lot of people are finding um london uh unsustainably expensive uh, both on a commercial level and on a personal level, um, so I think Manchester is uh, it's an easy city. I mean, I'm on, I'm sat in my office here in the brewery, uh, about four minutes or so away from uh, Piccadilly train station. 
I say four minutes. I mean, that's absolutely pegging it. Uh, maybe, about, <laughs> maybe about eight minutes. Um, so I'm sat like on the fringe of the city centre, um, not far away from Ancoats. This neighbourhood used to be Ancoats, but whatever. Um, so we're sat like on one end and I could walk to the other end of the city in about 35 minutes. So it's super livable. Uh, but there's but there's so much going on here that I think uh, beer brands from other parts of the country just really want to be part of this kind of whole vibe too. And I don't blame anybody. I mean, Manchester's, a, you know, it's pretty electric for its scale. It punches way above its weight. And, and I guess, you know, that's kind of why we're like that too. You know, we, we really embody that Manchester spirit of not being sort of held back by the fact that we're in the north that have never really been uh, that many um, uh, earnest uh, national focuses on Manchester breweries. You know, if we if we get media attention, it's usually because something's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, l- l- you know, l- l- I remember years ago getting bloody every journalist. It felt like a, a journalist from every national newspaper calling me up because because of. Uh, crazy pricing on a pint of double IPA in London. Um, so, like, we really got to kind of get out, uh, get out into crazy space to to get noticed. But uh, yeah, I think you know Manchester keeps people's feet on the ground. It's you know it's a really really cool city, but people are savvy, and so you know I think one of the qualities that I think folk are drawn to is like if you can if you can make it in Manchester, if you can really delight people that are living here that. Of you know they know what quality is. Uh, Manchester's really got its eye on what's hot and what's not. And even as a local brand, there's a lot. There is a lot of local loyalty, but there's also like people are just like, yeah, you might be local, but you've still got to absolutely knock it out of the park for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and very, I love that. Very high standards. <laughs> totally. <laughs> really. You see, I think I think I think because a lot of people in Manchester have have have. Um, either born and bred here or they're bred in the re- born and bred in the region um and so people aren't really looking to kind of make manchester into this like uh marker of their own sort of quality of decision making uh, i don't know whether that i've expressed that particularly well but i feel like um in other in bigger cities uh both in the uk and elsewhere in the world people are really really proud to be in a city that's got a really really long and broad heritage of uh, of of commerce of of um of business of art of culture uh, and yes manchester has a lot of those things but on a much 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 smaller scale and so i think people are yeah people here like just really keep putting you back into um feet on the ground space and um not riffing you know if there's one thing that Manchester loves, it's, it's really weird. Like Manchester loves to um, show some of its sort of recent past and some of its recent culture, but also kind of hates to do that. So, you know, you'll, you'll get lots of people being like, you know, oh, Manchester's such a cool city. All these like indie bands back in the uh, 90s and noughties and, you know, the Hacienda before then. And we're like, yeah, those things did happen. They're amazing. And we, we're always going to celebrate that. But like also we're trying to do something new and we're trying to move the needle now, you know, right in the here and now. So that's something that whilst we've got these kind of rich cultural legacies, we're trying to contribute to that too and not just use it. <laughs> well, it sounds like from what you were saying as well, you described 
cloud water of always moving, always innovating. It, I think that perfectly describes Manchester in a lot of ways as well, by the sound of things. Um, yeah, you know, certainly my own personal reflection of of Manchester having family in the in the local area to Manchester, it, it definitely feels that it's got that kind of like electricity about it. You know, always moving, and, and I, I like that term that you were saying about um, about always punching above. You know, from where they are. You know, the size that you got that Manchester is. But you know, I mean, maybe this could be a, you know a parallels between Manchester and Cloudwater. I feel like that's also a, you know you're a small brewery in a lot of ways because you don't make more than Kernel, but at the same time you have a huge uh, you know a kind of presence. I think in the beer in the beer world, um, you know, and the and the brand that goes with it, because you know, as I said, having just experienced it, my own little taste of of what you guys are about in Bermondsey, it was a, a real you know eye opener. I think to, to how breweries could be done, um, and and how brands can kind of kind of express themselves, let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, it's it's again, it's kind of easier if um, if we were in the shadows more and not and not in the limelight and not talking about you know we we've. we've we've entered into so many discussions over the years some of them good some of them less less than good uh, i mean and i mean that in terms of like less than productive and, and didn't really result some some of the some of the sort of heavy topics that we've waded into over the years have have gone really really well and some of them have gone really not so well at all uh, but you know i think there's a real honesty to what we're doing here um it's you know we're never we're never talking about something that's come from some opinion piece or market study somewhere it's just coming from our heart so you know i think yeah we do try and um we do try and take a kind of like responsibility when you when you're running a, a a business and you're part of a small business and you're independent and you're really accountable to all the people that you sell to on a wholesale and trade basis and also really accountable to all the people that drink your beer and ultimately support the business um you can't help but think like oh, is there a little bit more that we can do is that is there you know obviously we're very very focused on the quality of the beer but you know we're thinking like there's so many issues in society and so many issues that our customers are facing um so you can't help yourself but but kind of get curious about the ability of small business to um, voice some of that stuff and try and raise the profile of the ways in which people uh, are wanting to see change. Um, and I, you know, I think that's I think that's a wonderful part of people really lean into their local businesses with a lot of expectation um, from the from that consumer level. And it makes complete sense when you think about the fact that it's really hard to get accountability from your local politician or your local council, um, but you can pretty well like pretty easily get some level of accountability from your local business that cares about you as an individual uh, and i think it's just that sort of expressive of that circle of care that's like people care about us they care about what we create we care about them and we care about the you know the fact that we're trying to make something really honest and effective that improves their lives and you know that that is a wonderful symbiotic relationship that you can really only have when you're a an independent business and that's all we have time for this week's episode of the i'll try that podcast and so from me joe rich barber and simo goodbye don't forget to follow us on instagram twitter i'll try that podcast.com and watch us on youtube goodbye now <laughs>